Blog Talk Radio. It's the Gridiron Stud Show and the promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Talamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here. Talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad, with your breakfast toast. morning. It is the Gridiron Stud Show. Chad Wilson, Amo Calamino, here to wrap up a wacky weekend of college football, the first week of NFL football 2016. We've got your toast ready. It's breakfast time uh, for whoever eats a late one on the East Coast. And whoever's up early on the West Coast, we want to thank you for listening to the Gridiron Stud Show. Amel, uh if you're Oklahoma State, how mad are you on this Monday morning? Uh, you're pretty pissed. You gotta, you gotta love the, you know, the, we're sorry we made the wrong call. It doesn't help me. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, let's get, let's get this out of the way right now. All right. Yeah. You shouldn't have been in, uh, a dog fight with central Michigan. If you're Oklahoma state and people were expecting you to do some things in the big 12 this year. Uh, my co-host was one of them. However, however, sometimes you get into games like that against opponents you shouldn't. And when you do, damn it, man, you got to be able to just expect the basic rules of college football to be followed. Right, exactly. I mean, you know, people love to do that stuff. At least you got it out of the way early. Well, they shouldn't have been in a game like that. It doesn't mean the game should be called incorrectly. Just because they shouldn't have been in the game doesn't mean we should all sit here and go, well, they deserve to get bad call. I mean, it was, a, it was an awful call. I mean, I don't yeah, know where the uh, guy came up with that. I don't know. Um, you know, is it that hard to officiate a football game? I mean, listen, you've got four guys out there, okay? Um, well, look, even more than four. I'm sorry. Let me let me not say four. How many officials you got on the field there? you got to have Seven a guy come over and be like, yeah, like, hey, uh, we might let's come together on this thing. It can't well, call but, but that penalty. It's not even pot. a hard rule. I mean, the only time you get an untimed play at the end of a game is on a defensive penalty. There's no defensive penalty there. One team's on offense. They get called for intentional grounding. There's no time left on the clock. It's it's a change of possession. You look up, it's zeros. Game's over. Yeah, um, by the way, he threw that ball from the pocket. So it wasn't even a penalty to begin with. Just unbelievable, uh, a mess all the way around. And as it stands, Oklahoma State takes a big L, um, and I don't know. I, I, you know, you know what cracks me up though, Chad. More more than that is when you get the guys like the uh, you know the Herb Streets who who you know love college football to the point that they're silly. This is not the charm of college football. We see a play like that at the end of the game. Yeah, that shouldn't well, have listen, happened. Yeah, that the play that's itself charming. though. The play itself yeah, well, though. Amol was amazing. Um, yes. A Hail Mary, jump up in the air, pitch it to – do you think that thing was practiced at some point between those two players or that was impromptu? What do you, what do you think? Oh, I think this morning it was practiced because everything changes in folklore. Uh, this morning the coach will go, you know, we, uh, we, we're in practice every once in a while. We say if we're at the midfield with uh, one last play. 
We're going to yeah, throw one uh, up and pitch it to somebody else. We worked on that. Uh, I, man, <laughs> some some real instincts took over there if this was impromptu, wouldn't you say? Yeah, but I mean, I, I mean, do you think it was? I don't think it was impromptu. I mean, I think it was impromptu. Yeah, instincts took over. I don't think you could practice that is what I'm trying to say. I just think, you know, it was like one of those crazy things where, you know, it's kind of like when you're out in the schoolyard and you do crazy things when you're a kid. I think that just that's what happened there. Yeah, well, um, man, it's it was amazing that that even got you know that that went off the way that it, it did. It was a cool but, uh, play. Yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm not being don't don't misunderstand. I think it was a really cool play. I mean, I just I'm really I don't like to see a team, regardless of how they got in that situation, I don't like to see a team lose when the when a call is not even it's not even a controversial you know could have went either way pass interference. It's just straight up we don't know the rules. That that kind of bugs me. For, the, for that team. Yeah, um, a tough, uh, a definitely a tough way to go out, you know what I mean? Um, so, hey, Oklahoma State, lick your wounds, man. Get back on the horse. It's week two. Um, you know, find a way to find a way to grow from this, not to sound uh, coach cliche, but, yeah, they're going to have to find a way to grow from this. Maybe it pisses them off, Amo, because I didn't feel like they, in week one, they they looked like they should have looked. And then you come out in week two and and lay this egg and uh, put it in the referee's hands, which is the wrong place to put it. Maybe it pisses these guys off and they get the wheels turning here. You know, uh, that's the Absol- only thing really absolutely. that they can do. And you know what? We we all make a lot of the playoff, and, you know, of course we do. It's good. But, you know, let's face it, only four teams are going to get in there anyway. I mean, they can still win their conference and all that good stuff. I mean, it, the, the fortunate thing is it didn't cost them a conference game. It cost them a game where, sure, is it embarrassing they don't want to take a loss to Central Michigan? Of course they don't. But, I mean, it's not a game that's going to kill their season if they take, approach it the right way. Yeah, definitely on that. Um, so we'll just have to see what's next from Oklahoma State. But coming up on the show today, we are going to run through the Power Five conferences and talk about the week that was, uh, you know, just go through conference by conference and uh, kind of sum up some of the things that went down there, point out anything that was interesting. There were some, you know, though this was not a jam-packed week by any stretch of the imagination, college football giveth and they taketh. Uh, they, they, they gave in week one. They took in week two. So not a bunch of marquee matchups, but nonetheless, um, some exciting and interesting things happened in week two. We'll again, run through the power five conferences and talk about the action in each one of those conferences. Emil and I will give you our top four teams that we think right now in college football is did the AP poll get it right. Do we have a difference of opinion there? We'll also talk about the picks that we made this weekend in college football. Then later on, we'll talk NFL. It was week one. Um, Man, close games everywhere. We'll talk about uh, the games that went down and uh, some of the things that I thought were a little bit off. It's tough picking the NFL, my friend. I'm just going to tell you that. Hey, right you know now. what? You put something up, I think, on Twitter yesterday. What was there? Twelve games and eleven or something were decided by. Well, at the point in time score? that I put this, yeah, but at the point in time that I I made the tweet, the uh, I believe it was the Colts game with uh, who the Colts playing yesterday. The Colts. We're playing Detroit. That game was still pending. And uh, I'm trying to find a tweet here, but I think uh, it was 11 of 13 games at that point in time uh, were decided by a touchdown or less. Okay, well, I want you to hang with me. This is quick, down the board. 7, 9, 19, 1, 1, 6, 6, 9, 4, 2, 1, 4, 2. 
So there's three games decided by more than eight points, which is one score. Yeah, that's a that's amazing. That makes it a tough bit. I mean, take points um, for crying out loud. But yeah, uh, the games are close. I, this is the parody that they wanted, and I guess they're definitely getting it because week one was full of. Hey, listen, every time I look at scores like this, I just think of Tony Romo last year doing that interview at the end and just saying all these games it are going to come down to who can do what in the final eight minutes. And that really rung true yesterday as every one of these games, even the ones that started off as major runaway blowouts, and you um, you know, pointed out the one, the Chargers and the Chiefs, a 21-3 to lead for the Chargers at halftime turned into a 33-27 loss. So we'll be talking about the action that went down in the NFL uh, yesterday, but do you have anything? Do you have any very interesting observations you could throw out here for us in this early well, segment? I, that we uh, more of them are uh, about just generals. What I noticed yesterday, from I sat and watched a lot of games on the the package yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. The NFL, to me, as I watched the games yesterday, and I said this to my son a lot. If it could ever go more in one direction, it seems like more and more. They're really, really pushing the sport toward fantasy. Um, yes, no doubt about it. And, you know, That's they can deny it all well they want. The and they they could say it's not gambling all they want. It's gambling, and it's being pushed that way. And I always say this because him and I turned on the Charger-Saint game as it got into the fourth quarter. And I'm telling Raider you, Chad, Saints. Raider Saints, excuse me, Raider Saints, we were watching the game for 15 minutes. There was five pass interference calls. Just in 15 oh, minutes, Tim and I were sitting there laughing. They, they want offense racked up, basically. Is that, that's where you're going with this thing. Well, they don't, what I'm getting at is they don't care. I said this to him. They don't care. Here, here's what I look at the way the league's structured. A guy like you or a guy like me or some of them, probably a, a good, decent chunk of our listeners, that's not what we're really down with. I mean, sure, you, if a guy gets tackled, I want pass interference called. But when mm. you start calling ticky-tack interference calls, I'm not really into that. But if you're just a casual person, not a super duper football fan. All you care about is is your fantasy team scoring, and you really don't give a rat's rear end how they do it. <laughs> well, I've been saying this on this show for I think the last couple of years. The NFL has made a strong move uh, in an effort to grow their game to pull in the fans that aren't football fans. Um, and I've you know made the reference of they pull, they're pulling in the Bravo Channel people. Football's not mm-hmm. their thing. But they're finding a way to get them in and get revenue from them, whether that's increased ratings, whether that's to get them to buy a jersey or something. They're really going hard after the casual fans because they don't really value you and I. They don't really value the hardcore fan because they feel no matter what happens, we're going we're gonna to be there. You're where, the where are we base. Going? Are we going to hockey? Put it in political terms. You and I are the base in political terms. They figure no matter what. And, and, and in most cases, correctly so, we're doing a football show and we, we admit that we watched a lot of it, okay? They're figuring mm-hmm. you're watching the game either way. We know that. You can say you're not going to watch it. You can bitch about it. You can go on your radio show and complain. But you love it. You're watching it. So we have to figure out how to get somebody who doesn't love it as much as you. Yep. Uh, and and so t- the biggest, the biggest uh, you know, I guess carrot for them with regards to pulling in these casual fans, is fantasy football. Casual fans aren't going to really have an allegiance to a particular team. Um, If there is an allegiance to a particular team, it's just going to be the team that's winning at the moment. But 
these casual fans seem to be more locked in on the human interest side of things, which is why you get some of the uh, kind of reports that you get and the kind of stories that you get and the kind of off-the-field reporting that you get. And then with the end game, they're going to latch themselves on the players and not teams, and that's what you've got going on. That's why fantasy is exploding, and that's why the NFL is Well, I'll is give you an example. My wife is not your wife in terms of your wife, I would call more of a true sports fan. She grew up with two sons, and maybe she didn't start off a sports fan. Her daughter played sports. Mm-hmm. She was around it, okay? Mm-hmm. My wife has three three girls. The only one who really played a lot of sports was my, my, my youngest. And, and, and even then, you know, she was not anywhere near the, the type of athlete your kids were. So my wife, what I'm saying, has had one child, me, <laughs> that likes sports. <laughs> so over the years, she's made a, a good attempt to, to at least have some interest. And she likes mm-hmm. football. Now, am I going to say, mm-hmm. is, she, is she upset if she misses a game? No. But she'll sit there and watch a game with us. And the truth of it is, she gets the offense. I mean, she understands, like, hey, that's a touchdown, that's a good pass, that's a nice run. She doesn't understand. I mean, I'm not trying to be demeaning at all, but she'd tell you this. Mm. If it's a 13-10 game and I say, wow, did you see that coverage, the way that they had that guy mm. in robber coverage? And, oh, you mm. She doesn't care about that. <laughs> she, right. It's like, what? Sure. sure. And, 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 and you're not going to draw on. <laughs> You're not going to draw on a casual fan with talks of strategy there. You know, it's just that's just not what's going to bring him in. But now the human interest story, uh, the guy who was accused of battery or uh, this guy that overcame cancer to play, that's going to draw in, you know, your your casual interest. And, and let me give you a second observation real quick. You talked about the end of the games and what Romo had said. And, and, and this is more along the lines of a conversation I had later in the evening yesterday after the second set of games before the night game. Mm-hmm. Somebody was going on and on, you know, and don't get me wrong, you know, we'll get to that when we get to the games. Um, if you saw the Cowboys game early in the game, uh, Prescott made a nice read, had Beasley coming across the middle. Didn't put a mm-hmm. right on his numbers, but the ball was a little high, but he got both hands on it, and it was a walk-in touchdown if he catches it. It's one of those Wes Welker, Cole Beasley crossing routes. It's, you know, mm-hmm. nobody's there, okay? And mm-hmm. he didn't catch it. And it, the ball came in hot, whatever, okay? But he should have caught it, I would say. And the guy's like, well, there's four points they left on the field. You know, they could have won the game. I said, listen, stop. You're right. They did leave four points on the field. But I said, if we watch the film of this game, you and I, and we sat here, there's probably some points the Giants left on the field, and you can do that in every game. These games are so tight anymore, and that's where I'm going with right. this, that one or two plays, whoever makes them, is deciding mm-hmm. the game, period. Mm-hmm. That's it. Sure. Sure. I mean, there is no um, dominance anymore. It's one or two plays. There's very few teams that you would say, or at least that that you can project as being flat out dominant. They're going to average winning their games by ten points. It isn't happening. Yeah. So you better know how to handle those end of game situations. I dare say that's really what it all comes down to. Those who are, can walk into those situations at the end of the game and handle them at best. Um, you know, then then those are the guys that are and coaching. Those Chad, are the ones that I really to... believe the coaching right now is is so paramount. It's always been at every level, but I think in the NFL with the talent being as close as it is, and I always point to and you know you can brag when we get to this section, but well, the Patriots are a great example. Whenever they're in a situation where they're not at their absolute best in terms of personnel, the guys who are left elevate their game. And to me, that's the difference between the excellent teams and everybody else. The, yeah. A guy will be out. They, the Denver Broncos Thursday night, they have some guy playing quarterback. Honest to God, 
before I looked him up before the game. I, didn't, I never heard of him, okay? They go out mm-hmm. and they, they win a game at home against Carolina because everyone else elevated their play to help that guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and, that, and that's that's the other thing that's getting lost to Emil in this whole thing is the the focus on the players has uh, left people uh, not paying as much attention to the coaching aspect of it. Like coaches are winning and losing football games like never before, and with people focusing more on this player and that player and the whole fantasy aspect and all these other things. Lost in there is just not even the just not just the head coaching it's just the coaching as a staff because you know the head coach gets all the credit but there's an entire staff there that does things from week to week that allows guys to uh, make the plays that they need to make or put team in a position to win at the end of these football games and so you know it's just gonna it's gonna start come it's gonna really well, come down to these same few teams and organizations. Like the bad organizations are continuing to be bad and the good organizations are continuing to be good because they just know how to do things right. And, and uh, Chad, I think that's also I mean maybe you disagree here, but I think it's also strategy as far as you know, you know who's the master of this Bill Parcells used to be? Field management, okay? And that's why mm-hmm. Belichick's so good at it. Uh, mm-hmm. Give you an example, and people who were watching the Dolphins yesterday, if they want to call them, they can give me examples of what they saw in mismanagement strategy. I happen to pay a lot of attention to my team. I'm watching the game yesterday. They got a 19-13 lead. It's the early fourth quarter. They've held the ball now, for those who didn't watch the game, 30 of the 45 minutes, okay? Mm-hmm. Dallas has a phenomenal offensive line. That says to me the other team should be tired, okay? I got the ball. I got a six-point lead. I got a rookie quarterback. I'm starting on my own 20. You know what I'm going to do? My first play is going to be a running play. It's going to be a power running play. I don't care if it gets three yards. I'm going to stay ahead of the mm-hmm. chains. Right. They call a pass right. play. You know what happens? Mm-hmm. They get a hold. It's first and 20 now. Now you're behind the chains, so they have to call another pass play. Before you know it, it's a three-and-out punt. They eventually now – that's early in the fourth quarter. People don't notice stuff like that, but I do because that's the kind of fan I am. I like to, and I, I was on record not after the fact. I said to, to everybody in the room, you should be running the ball right now. You've got the lead, they're mm-hmm. tired, run the ball. But see, that to me is, a, is about coaching and strategy, and a Belichick gets that kind of stuff. Yeah, and it would seem so simple, wouldn't it? But just some folks don't get it. And then sometimes you get, you know, offensive coordinators with egos, and it's for them it's about putting up points, and they think this is these, these are the plays I need to run right now because I need to get in the end zone again because, you know, we score 40, um, and look, somehow the other team scores 42. Well, that ain't on me. We put up points. Man, it's that thinking right there that really just mm-hmm. blows my mind. You call plays to win games. So if that means you won 28 to 21, that's a whole lot better than losing 40 to 42 if you're the offensive coordinator. But some of them don't think that way. Um, offensive coordinators can get selfish too. That's for sure. All right, we need to take a break here. When we get back, it's college football time. We're going to run through the Power Five conferences. We'll talk about our picks, and Emil and I will tell you who we think are our top four teams in college football. We'll do that more when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. 
FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! Are you a property owner or want to be one, but you don't have time for property management? Then get an MVP on your team. Who has time for the letting process, for arranging inventories and organizing pre-tenancy cleaning, dealing with deposit negotiation and negotiating with service suppliers and maintenance? No one's got time for that. MVP does, though. Get this MVP on your team. You can rely on MVP property management to offer you an extreme amount of quality and professional services for your money. And because they know that everyone is different, they pride themselves in providing a professionalized service to each and every one of their clients. So how do you get this MVP on your team? It's simple. Pick up the phone and call right now. 844-696-8722. That's 844-MY-MVP-CC. Or send an email to info at mymvp.cc. Get this MVP on your team and start winning today. You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kids stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, living, being riding, jet flying, son of a gun, and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. We're back here on the Gridiron Stud Show. It's Monday, man. Got to play that Ric Flair. It's like a cup of coffee. Got to do that one every Monday morning. Wake up, folks out there. It's the Gridiron Stud Show. Chad Wilson, Emil Calamino. College football, uh, they did play some this weekend. They weren't the greatest games in the world on paper, but they did produce some interesting uh, outcomes. Well, let's just start off out west since, you know, we don't, I don't want to save them for last. Let's, let's take those guys out west. Uh, and put them up first. You know what I want to talk about first, right? You know, you know what? I, there was a basketball game played in. Hell yeah, I, well, I kind of had a feeling you were go, you were going to that Arizona State. Uh, tech, tech, see, and, I, and I'm going to put something, say something strongly here, and, and probably there's half the people out there think I'm nuts because they'll disagree with me. I hmm. think that game is an embarrassment to college football. You know, Emil, I want to uh, listen. I travel on the weekend, so uh, I see the games that I can, and then I try to catch up during the week. I have to set aside uh, seven hours 
to watch this football game and dissect it. But for the love of God, over 1,200 yards, I believe, um, we had a 68-50. I want to know how many times this year Texas Tech's basketball team is going to allow less than their football team allowed in this football game this Saturday. May I lay some stats on you, please? Here we go. Please, by all uh, means. You're totally ours. Guy. Texas me. Tech, 612. Arizona State, 652. Now, there... Texas Tech converted 7 of 14 third or fourth down plays. Arizona State converted 11 of 18. So basically no one could get off the field. Uh, Texas Tech threw 53 passes, completed 38 of them for 540 yards. Arizona State was a little more balanced. They completed 28 of 37 for 351, and they ran it for 301. (laughs) Yeah, they ran the hell out the ball. Unbelievable, Emil. I mean, listen, you and I both – knew that there was no way Vegas could put an over on this game high enough. Um, and I'll be damned it was high, and they exceeded it for the love of Betsy. 80 points was over under. <laughs> yeah, but that, if you're Arizona State, that especially Arizona State, because the, the Big 12, I mean, they pretty much have just adopted that basketball philosophy over there between Baylor and TCU and everybody else. But if you're Arizona State, this does not bode well for you when you get into Pac-12 play. I mean, you're going to play. Hey, well, did you hear what actually... I said? Did you hear what I said? There was an 80-point over/under on this game, and they. I know they hit 120 it. some. I know they that killed it. Just, that's just absolutely positive. 80 amazing. and 80. You know what? If if you told me, if you forced me before the game and said, "What would you do?" If you forced me, because I wouldn't do 80. It's ridiculous. I would have to go over because I, I could see them setting it. They're trying to get you just to ignore it, saying, well, 80 is a lot of points because they don't want action on that. Because, like you said, what are they going to put, 100 on it? <laughs> uh, I, and they would have been dead-ass wrong. Unbelievable. Um, so, yeah, that basketball game took place. They played basketball in helmets. Man, Arizona State, Texas Tech. Shame on you guys. Uh, I found. Listen, I caught a little surprise here. San Diego State beat Cal, man. Well, if you remember, Sandy, I mean, yes, you, I mean, I'm not trying to excuse Cal. I still think you should win that game. But if you remember, San Diego State had a pretty darn good team last year. They I think did, they were 11-3. and three. They shouldn't be beating They shouldn't be beating Cal. By the way, uh, Donald Pumphrey is a damn good running back. And, uh, oh, yeah. you know, I know, I know running backs have uh, lost their, their luster when it comes draft time. But this is a guy that people are going to have to pay attention to when it comes – to uh, draft time next year, uh, breaks Marshall Falk's record. Um, and, you know, someone pointed out to me, I believe it was less that, you know, Marshall did his in three years. Well, this is game two in his fourth year. So, guy has put well, in some serious, serious work. Don't be Diego surprised, State. by the way, if San Diego State goes out and runs the table. Hey, look, this is a great win right here. You look, Cal's not what they were last year. This is a pretty strong showing, and if they could do this against Cal, if they can keep their heads on straight, you know, they should win a lot of games. But just knowing the history of San Diego State football, and I had a cousin that played mm-hmm. there, they'll find a way to drop a couple games during the season. Sorry sorry, sorry to any Aztec fans that might be listening to this game. They'll just find a way. Uh, what else did I find interesting? Arizona in a, in a dogfight with Grambling State. What do we got going on here? Now, is, is Grambling State still NAIA, or explain this to me, because I'm not sure. What are they, what, where, where, where do they they're play? F, they're FCS. They're FCS. Um, okay, so, so, they, uh, so they are now an FCS team. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, they are an FCS team. Emil, that's not the worst part of this whole thing. Grambling State went in at halftime with a 21-3 lead over Arizona. Were you oh, aware? Oh, I know. 
Oh, yeah, I was uh, aware of it. What's going on there, Rich Rod? You know, he was trying to get out of Arizona. Uh, there were a number of openings in college football this past season, and uh, he was kind of trying to throw his name on a sly in a hat for those things. Things aren't looking good out there in the desert for uh, Arizona. So they need to clean that up quick, fast, and in a hurry. UCLA beats UNLV 42-21. Were you impressed by that win? Tell you, UCLA has no, because I thought it would be a bigger win. I mean, I thought that they would, you know, I mean, that that game was – closer for a while than I ever thought it would be. I, I mean, I figured they'd go out and just take out some frustration on UNLV, who's usually good for, you know, allowing 50-some points. I mean, that game, early, it was like going back and forth a little bit. It was 28-21 at the end of the third quarter, and then UCLA, of course, opened up and won the game. But, I mean, if I'm UCLA, I'm not happy at being home Yeah, I want to see a UNLV. better response. Yeah, I want to see a better response after taking a loss to Texas A&M. That's, that's for damn sure on that one. Uh, and, and then, listen, you said it last week. Virginia um, has issues. They've got issues. Now, listen, 44-26, they covered the point spread. But in watching that game, they got some things they need to clean up quick, fast, and in a hurry over there in Virginia. Well, yeah, but, I mean, you can't be thrilled if you're, if you're Oregon with that kind of game. I mean, you know. I mean, Virginia, they lost to Richmond the week before, and I know you can't always use, here's a big word for everybody, the transverse property. You can't say that, mm. well, Virginia lost to Richmond, therefore Virginia stinks forever, and they should lose by 100 to Oregon. But what you can say is Oregon's home, Virginia's traveling across the country, and they're not very good. I expected more out of Oregon in this game. They didn't score in the fourth quarter. I know they're playing younger kids at that point, but Oregon usually had no problem rolling points up with their second team against a team like this. Yeah, um, a little little, little surprise there. I, I think Oregon's time has come and gone in terms of being in the national title runs and things like that. They're going to be entertaining. I think everyone else is kind of caught up with the things that Oregon had a monopoly on, uh, the uniforms, the fast-paced offense. They introduced those things to college football, and at a time they had market share, and now everyone else has tapped into it, so Oregon has fallen back into the pack of college football. Sliding over to the Big 12, we already talked about the biggest thing that went down in this conference. That's the Central Michigan win that shouldn't have happened against Oklahoma State. Um, You're going to talk about this during the picks. Oklahoma, why is Louisiana Monroe scoring 17 points on you for crying out loud? Well, I mean, just to be fair, you're bitter. Smashes. I mean, I get it. You're bitter. I understand. We'll talk about that later. You can't but... be giving up 17 points. We'll talk about it during the picks, but for crying out loud. Yeah, but it's... let's be honest. They were up 42 nothing at the half. That that could be, you know, you used to tell me this when I used to bitch. You'd be like, listen, man. You'd be like, man, when you, when you, when you relax in football, you, how many times did you give me that pep talk? I mean, they were up 42 nothing. True, at the but half. come on, freshman. Come on, freshman, to get in the game. We'll talk about Hold that. the fort down for crying out loud. Uh, TCU lets Arkansas come into their house and get a win in double overtime. Um, were you surprised I'm not by feeling it? good, Chad. I'm not feeling good. I picked TCU to win this conference. And to be honest, it's early, but, you know, I'm looking at their first two out-of-conference games, a 59-41 win against South Dakota State, 41 points. You want to talk about you shouldn't allow points. You can't allow 41 points to South Dakota State for your TCU. And then Arkansas comes in and hands, a, the hands them a loss, and 41 points go on the board. Now, there was some overtime in that game, to be fair, but still, it's not good. There was. There was. This was a home game for TCU, so I don't know there. Two weeks into this thing, Texas is looking even better and better as a possible winner of this conference. 
you know, a lot of football to go, but I didn't really give them that much of a chance. Thought it would be another year before Texas could make that kind of run at the conference title, but they're looking good, Amel, and considering the kind of troubles Oklahoma's had with Texas over the few last few years when Texas was not that solid of a football team, it's looking good for the Longhorns. Well, I think this week will be a big week for the conference in this sense. Granted, the Oklahoma-Ohio State game, which we'll talk about Friday, is a an out-of-conference game. But I think if Oklahoma, as silly as this may sound to some, uh, loses this game and, and starts off at 1-2 and two because of where they were starting the season, they may become a bit disinterested in their season. That may be hard to believe, but psychologically, no, not not, not really, not really. Considering where they have been in the past, and as much yes. as last year being in that playoff, and then now you don't have that opportunity. It's been taken away from you that early. It could be a problem for Oklahoma. It could be a problem, and then you you look at their schedule. They they play Ohio State. They get a couple weeks off. They they take a trip to TCU, which obviously you know that that's going to be a big game for both teams, having already taken a loss or two at that point. Then they then they have that Texas game, which is a huge rivalry, regardless of record. You know you got to play those back those games in front of Texas. Man, this season it, it could be get ugly for Oklahoma quickly if they're not careful. It could. Um, I do think they have an advantage going into this Ohio State game having having played that Houston game. So we'll see how that shakes out and of course Oh yeah, I know. We'll talk about that on Friday. I'm not making a pick yet. I'm not saying it will get ugly. I'm just laying out the you know, the job, you know, the train in front of Oklahoma and saying they gotta get their act together starting this week. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a great game uh for us to look ahead to. Sliding over to the Big Ten though um, it was Cupcake Day in the Big Ten. Michigan hung a nice a nice little cross on the face of Central Florida, 51-14. to Maryland came down here on Friday and uh, split Florida in a national in half, 41-14. The best game of the day was Pitt and Penn State in the conference. As uh, you were, you know, we talked a little bit about this rivalry being renewed, and it was good to have it come back in this fashion, not be lopsided. Pitt Controlled most of this game. Penn State fought back in it and almost almost got back all the way into this game, but it ended up being a pit win, 42-39. Well, Pitt ran uh, what the ball for 300 it? yards in this game, and that has to have uh, Joe Paterno spinning in his grave because anybody old enough to remember Paterno coach teams, um, one thing they prided themselves on was defense, and uh, Penn State got, got gashed on the ground. I uh, got into a couple social media arguments with some guys. I know they're Penn State fans. I'm not a hater per se, so I was just making an observation, and they're telling me that I shouldn't be blaming James Franklin for the loss. And I'm like, well, I said, when Bill Belichick wins, do we give him credit? I said, you know, mm. I'm not going to blame James Franklin for a kid dropping a ball, which if a Penn State receiver did on a fly pattern where he would have at least taken it inside the 20 if not scored. But I said, sure. you don't think it's coaching when when you're allowing 300 yards on the ground? Every year up here, I hear about what a great recruiting class Franklin has at Penn State. And every year I yeah, come out and see them. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I get it, man. You've not been a big um, Franklin supporter. So, uh, you know, I'm not surprised that you're going this way with it. But let's see how this this plays out. I'm going to just stick to Penn State-Pittsburgh. Nice to have that rivalry back. And uh, this was a good game for yeah, all. Yeah, no, it was, uh, listen, yeah. the game was entertaining. You didn't get to see it. You had your own thing going on. But it was a, it was a great game as far as I caught bits and pieces the- of it, by the way. But um, it was good to see those two teams on the field. Yeah. 
to, that was say, nice. to say the least. Um, Ohio State, I talked about this on Friday. You know, there'd be a – uh, anything you could do, I could do better with Michigan. And uh, Ohio State goes out and they hand Tulsa a 48-3 to loss um, after Michigan pounds Central Florida 51-14. to No surprise there in, in, in that one. Uh, what's going on with Northwestern? So much was expected coming into the season. And um, you, you got them out here two games into the season. You're 0-2, and you haven't gotten into conference play yet. Well, you, I mean, they lost to an FCS team, right? Illinois State. I mean, yes. <laughs> that's I mean, not. Come on, know. guys. Come on. I mean, that was, you put that on your schedule for the free win that it's supposed to provide you. So it's, it's right. Because like, you know, in the beginning of the beginning of the year, when we do our preseason uh, predictions and whatnot, we look at the schedule, and you you know, you look at a little preseason schedule, like a couple of softies right there in the beginning, you ought to come out of that thing three and zero, oh, and then let's talk about what they're going to do in conference play. Well, hey, these guys are zero and two. And they haven't even. They got one more week before they get to conference play. Yeah, could, I mean, obviously it's setting up for if, if if Fitzgerald can't turn this around this year, if you get one, you know, he he's safe there because he's done such a good job. But it could be a bad long season for Northwestern, uh, bringing back memories of the '70s when they used to have those 40-game losing streaks and stuff like that. Yeah, it's shaping up that way, and you hate to see it. Iowa flexes their muscle against Iowa State. I guess Iowa's going to be good again, Emil. We just have to wrap our minds around that. Iowa it could could very well win their half of the Big Ten again. But they will have to deal with Wisconsin. That's there's Well, no this week we're going to have some in this conference some interesting games coming up. You touched on one earlier with the big game, but, I mean, there's an interesting game shaping up where Pitt's going to go down to Oklahoma State. Um, I expect Oklahoma State to be in a foul mood, so we'll see how Pitt does coming off that rivalry game. And I think you're 100% on Iowa. I think every year we overlook them. They're boring. They just play boring, winning football, and that's what that's what they do there. So. Yeah, quietly, quietly they uh, get the job done over there. Remember when Kirk Ferentz was was uh, supposed to be going to the NFL? Uh, he knew something yeah. there, didn't he? Well, I mean, he's got a great life. I mean, I'm sure it's it's a moderate cost of living in Iowa. He makes a boatload of coin. Um, you know, co- being a college coach and a successful one beats. NFL, in my mind, as far as the lifestyle you're going to have. Sure, so, sure. Um, sl- sliding over to the Southeastern Conference, not a whole lot that was exciting per se there. Um, I would want to ask the folks down in Georgia, what you know, what the heck's going on there? They start to freshmen and have all types of struggles with Nickel State needing a late touchdown to get a 26-24 win. Um, head scratcher there for me, considering what they did in Week One against North Carolina. Perhaps they relaxed too much, or uh, I don't know what happened there. I think Georgia uh, is going to be a team that might disappoint a little bit when they get into conference play this year. Um, you know, they're going to rely on the running game, and they've got some some really good backs there. But when they get into playing uh, some of these teams that are a little bit more stout up front, such as a Florida, uh, teams like that Tennessee, even Ole Miss. They may have some trouble running the ball, and I'm not sure right now their quarterbacks are in a position to win games for them. I have to embarrass you because you won't say it. Uh, you were at a game on Saturday. I'm, I saw you. Know, I have to flip on Florida. My my buddy's kid is playing. I'm going to watch Florida, right? And it's even better because mm-hmm. there's nothing mm-hmm. else to take my attention from it. And right. lo and behold, I'm, I'm watching CBS Sports, and who pops up as the scholarship athlete of the week? Quincy Wilson, your son. Hey, listen, uh, ex- extremely proud of what he's been able to do, not not only on the field, but especially 
what he's done off the field in the classroom and uh, some charitable work and um, the kids growing up and setting a pretty good example for his younger brother. And uh, we're all able, it was, listen, the last two weeks, something has happened that has never happened before. And that is we've all been able to go to the game. So not only just Marco, but my daughter's also been able to go to the games the last couple of weeks. And it's been great to have them now that they're all grown up around each other and just uh, share that moment. So, um, you know, listen, I'm, I'm extremely pleased about that. I had a great interception in the game, but I'm not, I'm not being phony when I say this. When I was text, because I can't see the game obviously on TV when I'm there, that he was a scholar right. athlete of the week. That uh, that made me infinitely more proud than anything else that was going on there on the field. You know, the football comes and goes, man. But if you're handling your business off the field like that, a lot of doors get open for you. So I'm extremely proud. I appreciate and that's you why I bring it up. And up. on the field, the Gators, at my pick, by the way, to win the Southeast Conference, and I stick with it. Uh, finally showed what I think they can do. Uh, you know, the quarterback, I watched the game. I know it's Kentucky. Okay, I get it. But mm-hmm. they're still a Southeast Conference team, uh, albeit a bad one. The quarterback looked very competent in this game, something that I haven't seen a Florida quarterback do in quite a while. And mm-hmm. I think if he can continue to get better, I really, really – and, Gary, by the way, Gary Danielson happens to agree with me. I really like the Florida schedule. I like the way yeah. it sets up for them this year. Danielson likes quarterbacks, likes Luke Del Rio. He looked really good in the game. Honestly, I think that's what we're supposed to see in week one, but I you know, I think the weather really stopped all that from happening. So it was, it, what I saw this week is what I expected to see last week. It came against Kentucky. I just want to see them against a really good defensive line. Then I think uh, Florida will really know what they have. Will they be able to run the ball like they were able to do last week? Uh, will Del Rio have time to throw the football, and will they still be able to function offensively like that? And then, you know, those two things, the offense goes in hand with the defense. You know, if they can move the football and get points put up, um, now can they keep the defense off the field like they were last year? I will say this. They got a kicker, though. I mean, that kid is – I'm not just talking about the, the kicker's good. Uh, that kid got a is kicker, smashing the football on kickoffs. He's smashing it. And, and they got the kicker and they got a defense. And those two things – Always travel well, you know, in football. If you have a kicker and a defense, you, what you just ask your offense to do is move the ball. Don't go three and out, you know, three possessions in a row. you got to be competent, you know, change field position on occasion. But if they can do that kind of stuff, you know, I really like this team. I really do. Yeah, a couple more things to talk about here. Alabama gets a comfortable win. Didn't cover, I believe, the point spread in their game against They barely Western covered Kentucky. it, Chad. 20, it ended right, at 27 and a half. And if you remember the show Friday, if, I felt like our picks are not going to indicate. We had a pulse on a lot of games this Friday, if you go back and listen to the tape. It just wasn't sure. the ones we picked. I and mean, if you remember right. this game, we specifically talked about everybody will figure Alabama beat USC by 46. Oh, God help Western Kentucky. But this was typical Nick Saban. I'm not showing you anything on film. I'm just going to mm-hmm. go out and grind a win out. That's it. I want to I want to make this observation though about picking games. You know, the hardest part each week of of, you know, doing that part of the segment for us on the show is not necessarily picking the individual games, it's just picking which games you want to say are the three games we're going to have out there. You know, because I get a read on a lot of games, and I think the same goes for you. It's just which games out of the ten that we like, or eight or nine that we like, are going to be the three that we're going to put out there for 
the audience on our show, and that seems to be a whole lot harder than figuring out who's going to you know win or cover a game. There've been plenty of times where I've been one and two, but uh, five and one on six other games that I like. That gets that seems to be the harder thing to do. I don't know if that's it, the case. Can I, I agree a hundred percent. And when, before we move on from this game and go to our picks or whatever you want to do next, I just want to point out one other thing with Alabama. There is a little couple red flags I'd be worried about before we christen the oh, national. Oh, some sideline behavior, perhaps. No, um, I'm looking at this game on Saturday, and I noticed, you know, I I, I, started, I like to read the box scores just to see, you know, what happened in the game, get a feel for um, Same you know, here. The, the play. And I know where you're going um, with this. Alabama ran, ran the ball in this game uh, 39 times mm. for 124 yards. If you're not good at math, yeah. that's way under three and a half yards a carry, okay? Problem. Against Western yeah. Kentucky. And Problem, but if USC, you're USC, yeah, what, what, what? You're looking like, what the heck happened there? Like, how well, in the USC game, if you noticed, and again, you have to go back, and that's a game where I think you really need to watch it. Two halves happened in that game. The first half of that Alabama game against USC, Alabama did not run the ball well against USC. Now, as the game got out of control, and I think a lot of the fight came out of USC, which is something I'm not proud of as a fan. I like to see kids compete. Alabama ripped off some big runs in the second half. And at the end of that game, they ended up with 45 carries for 242 yards. But if you go pull up the stats at half in that game, if you have a way to do it on ESPN or something, Mm -hmm. Alabama was not just pummeling USC. That game totally changed on the pick six, and then the punter drops the punt in the second half. And before you know it, you know, they're blitzing two guys and leaving a guy uncovered. I mean, Alabama got handed some points in that game, probably about 21 of them. So I'm just saying, if I'm – Tap the brakes on on anointing them national champs until we see them play some of the stronger SEC teams. Yeah, I think they're going to have to come come along there. We're we're obviously early. Um, listen, LSU, uh, talk about anointed. There's some people putting them in the college football playoff and seeing that they were going to be the winners of the SEC. They've got issues, my friend. A 34 to 13 struggle against Jackson State, and they were really struggling early on in this game to the point of where they benched. Brandon Harris, who was one of four for eight yards and brought in this Edling kid and a six of 14 day for 100 yards, had people excited in Baton Rouge about uh, LSU's offense moving forward. Look, they got problems. And if Les Miles um, doesn't figure out a way to beat Bama, um, I think this might be it for him. You're going to call me crazy when I, when I lay this out here. After watching their first two games, I have LSU as losing five games this year. I believe that's what I said. Uh, I believe that was my prediction. I'd have to go back here and look. Maybe I'll do that yeah. during the break. But I think I had them as a 7-5 and five football team. And, you know, I didn't want to pat myself on the back yet because there's still plenty of football to be played. No, I, put, I picked them to be 8-4. and four, But um, they've got issues, and they better solve them quick, fast, and in a hurry. And I think Leonard Fournette's going to take some serious punishment if they can't get some kind of efficiency in their passing game and get someone to get the ball to the wide receivers with some amount of consistency, this might be a season that he regrets playing. Well, what, what defensive coordinator in the SEC doesn't come out until things change? Man up on the receivers with the safety high and just and, and basically slide eight guys down close to the line and say, here, show me that you can complete some passes down the field and, and, I'll, and I'll move this guy back. Because I, mean, I don't see why you, would, why you would defense them any other way. Yeah, um, something – has got to be done there quick, fast, and in a hurry. Last thing in the SEC, Virginia Tech and Tennessee in front of a record 
156,000 people. Listen, I know Tennessee has really great fans, but how did that happen? How did 156,000 people have interest enough to attend a Virginia Tech-Tennessee game? They didn't. They thought there was a NASCAR race going on. Oh, is that they tricked them? Is that they revved some <laughs> engines up from inside the stadium to get them to come They through? revved some engines up, and all these people showed up with campers, and they said, well, we're only kidding. We're playing football. No, that was impressive. That Should was impressive. been riding. Help me with this, Emil, because I didn't follow it closely. Did they do, other than the field dimensions, did they add some stands for this thing, or, or, or does this Bristol Motors Speedway hold 156,000 people on its own, and that's what you get to these NASCAR races? That's how many well, the NASCAR hasn't been filling up lately, from what I understand. I'm not a big NASCAR fan, but I think they added a few because they put in the infields where the football field was was placed. And I, from what I can, I think they added some stuff closer to the field too. Yeah, that's uh, that's amazing. So a record there. Tennessee rips off 45 points. Um, they got on a nice run there. It was a little back and forth, but then they got on a nice run. They needed that after the struggles against Appalachian State. So, uh, you know, good for them in, in getting that done and uh, handling Virginia Tech the way that they should have. Gets things back to being um, a little more interesting for Tennessee. Sliding over to the ACC, which is our last stop. Lamar Jackson is the talk of this conference right now. And uh, Louisville, I believe, is heading over into – a game with Florida State. Well, actually, they're going to be hosting Florida State at noon next week, and that has become an even more interesting game than what people thought. Louisville is now number ten in the uh, in the in the AP poll. What do you make of that thing there? Because you know, when I think about that first half against Ole Miss for Florida State, Lamar Jackson could be a very big problem for the Seminoles. Well, he's certainly he's certainly a great great player you can he's dynamic he can run he can pass he can do everything he's got 13 touchdowns between both um you know it's hard to get a true gauge with charlotte and syracuse as your opponents but you know he they've done what they're supposed to do which unlike what a lot of other teams we've talked about this morning did against these kind of opponents so we give him we give him credit there i think that'll be a really energized place you know Papa John's uh, Stadium there in Louisville next uh, Saturday at noon, and uh, it's going to be a big test for Florida State. And I agree with you. You know that that first half against Ole Miss uh, has to scare Florida State's defensive coaches. It really does, and I think that's something Louisville will study very, very hard this week as they prepare for this game. Uh, our local guys down here, the University of Miami, listen, some fans for the Canes are concerned about the passing game. It just has not looked great in these first two weeks. I've chosen to be excited about the running game, and it continues to be uh, a strong point for Miami. The first week they rushed for over 300 yards. He had three backs go over 100 yards. This week, Mark Walton rushes for 155 and four touchdowns. Yes, it was another you know inefficient day for Brad Kaya. It was 17 of 31 um, through two interceptions. So folks are worried about that. Give me that running game because – what I'm noticing paired with this is very good defensive play. Those two things tend to go hand in hand. And if they're going to run the ball like this, Emil, I think Miami beats Florida State this year. It it could be the year. And I think eventually the passing game will come around. Uh, the quarterback's too talented to to not, you know, be more dynamic in the passing game. So I'm not that worried about the passing game. I'm, uh, yeah, at I'm some point, you, give me Emil, the running. teams are going to have to do something about the way Miami's running the football, and that only bodes well for the passing game when that happens. Yeah, I mean, this could be the year. I mean, I've, I'm I'm not as high in Florida State as they're ranking right now. Let's put it that mm-hmm. way. I, I mean, 
if they, maybe they drill Louisville on Saturday and I get more excited about Florida State. But as it stands right now, I think they're vulnerable. And I think if Miami can do, use the formula you laid out, you know, pound and ground, play some defense, I think this could be the year that they, they pick off Florida State. Yeah, defense and a good running game is two of the things I've wanted to see over the last four years at the University of Miami. And, look, through two games, they've accomplished that mission. Uh, I just want to see, you know, the the tougher part of the schedule is coming up. The Appalachian State game this weekend, when you look at what Tennessee was able to go out and do against Virginia Tech, I'm going to tell people, you better be careful about Appalachian State. There are no punks as we like to say. So people better pay attention to what's going on there. It's not going to be, I think, as easy as people think. Clemson, uh, another week, another ho-hum performance from them. You know what I think we got going on here, Emil? Clemson made it all the way to the end last year. And when that happens, the next year, the whole regular season thing tends to be, uh, you know, a bit of a bore. And I think Clemson is thinking about the end and not the current. And uh, that's resulted in two very lackluster performances that have people scratching their heads. They better get refocused quickly because, you know, in a few weeks they're going to play, you know, Louisville at home, and then they have a road trip later, you know, two or three weeks after that against Florida State, uh, both losable games. So they they better refocus because, yeah, Auburn's not going to be a good team in the SEC. They struggled with them. And obviously, you know, Troy is in, is a Division One team, but – they certainly They're a tough shouldn't be Division One team. They're a physical Division One team, but you shouldn't yes. be thirty to twenty-four. Shouldn't be. No, no, you shouldn't. That's, you should be able to open that game up at some point and win by three touchdowns. So, yeah. So come on, Clemson. Come on. Uh, the only other team Wake I'm up. really going to talk about here. Yeah, the only other team I'm going to talk about here, of course, is Notre Dame, who should be in a conference. But we can go on and on about that. They go out, handle their business against Nevada. Uh, what to make of that? I have no idea. We'll it wasn't as impressive if you didn't see it as the score. They, you know, midway through the second quarter, were kind of just very. It wasn't. Let's put it this way: they weren't playing what I expected. I expect them to come out with their hair on fire and be up big at halftime. You know, and. Uh, Eventually, they they took control of the game, but I, uh, it, it, there's something lacking in that game for them. I thought I expected a better performance. I may have um, overestimated Notre Dame coming into the season, as you know, if you've been listening uh, to the show for for the you know for the last few weeks. We did our prediction show. I put Notre Dame in the college football playoff. You know, I'm 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 starting to regret such a move, unless Notre Dame can really pick it up and get things going here. Let's talk about the picks, Emil, uh, that we had this weekend. Uh, we could start off with what you did. I'll go first. Had... You, have, you, have better new, you have better news to report to the crowd. Um, I had another one and two week in college football. I've got to just re- recalibrate my brain for some of these teams going forward. Um, so that puts me at two and four on the season. Uh, I started off, you know, and you can talk about it at the same time here because you, you and I were against each other. Uh, I went against my Trojans. I really, for some reason, just didn't feel with everything that went on this week in Stanford next week that they would be as focused as they were. And damn, they were focused. Uh, I, I took Utah State in 16 and a half points, and uh, that pick never had a chance. That was a loser mm-hmm. badly. Uh, then my other loss was that Oregon game you talked about. They were laying 24. They were up 24 at the end of the third quarter. I felt like, good, I'm going to win this because they're going to do what they do. The kids are going to want to be impressive. They're going to come in and cover this. They didn't score in the fourth quarter. They won by, by 18 or 16 or something. That was a loss. And then finally, the Tennessee game. Tennessee did what I felt they would do after playing poorly against Appalachian State. 
they took control of that game. They turned Virginia Tech over a bunch of times. They won by yeah, 21 points. Yeah, that was a good pick by up. you because I wasn't feeling all that great about it. Uh, Tennessee's a double-digit favorite. I think I mentioned on Friday, though, that the number would have scared me uh, from taking Virginia Tech, you know, on the heels of a Appalachian yeah. State game in which they struggle on national TV. Why is the line so high? So I would have taken it on just the scare factor, but I didn't deep down inside didn't feel like that was going to happen. So good pick by you. I kind of feel Virginia Tech gets a lot of uh... – Street cred in, in in college football. They're living a long time now off off the Michael Vick era and a lot of those teams that Beamer had ten twelve years ago. Uh, Virginia mm-hmm. Tech's kind of gone back to being a ho hum middle of the pack team, and uh, right. I just felt if Tennessee wants to do anything this season, that's got to be a game they dominate. If they come out and lose that game or play poorly, uh, there's going to be a lot of doubt in that Tennessee locker room because they haven't been dominant in a long time. It's not like they have hit, they don't have recent history. To, to dial their memory bank too, like Clemson does. So uh, two and sure. four, that's where I stand on the season. I'll get it right. Now, why don't you talk about the positive? You did some good. Yeah, stuff. you need a three and zero oh coming up. A three and zero oh coming up. Got to play some sports advisors yes. or something like that. Um, uh, listen, Notre Dame was one of the picks I had. I uh, look, I really felt like coming back home after that Texas loss and the way that they lost it, they really needed to come out and and uh, have an impressive victory. You said they didn't come out with their hair on fire. Whatever they did, they ended up winning the game in the way that they needed to win it, if, as far as I am concerned. Um, yes. USC, just some of the – listen, I, you got, you're a proud program. You're one of the blue bloods that we've, we've talked about on this show. You completely got embarrassed. Your pants pulled down on national television against um, you know, one of the other programs that you see yourself being eye-to-eye with. If you don't respond to that, you're pretty much looking at a very, very long season. So, you know, whatever. They had to punch each other in the face at practice this week or whatever they had to do. They went out, they dominated, and uh, now it's time to see where they are from there. And then Oklahoma State, well on the way, as you said, for the point spread cover, 42 to nothing. What could go wrong on pace for an 84 to nothing football game where you just laugh all the way to the bank, and then I get a scarooed as the uh, freshman going there and can't hold it down. 59-17 ends up being the uh, the final in that one, so a 41-point 40 win. Not enough, not sufficient to get me a 3-0 and weekend, so I go 2-1. and I'm 3-3 three and three on the year, and that's where we are right now in terms of uh, picking college football games. we got to talk NFL now, though, so we're going to take a break. When we get back, it's NFL time. What went down? What is to be, what was interesting, we'll talk about that and more when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. Sure, summer's gone, winter's here, but that doesn't mean everyone's putting their t-shirts away. Whether it's the company recreational basketball team, the youth soccer league for the kids, or the Halloween party your buddy throws every year, t-shirts are as much a part of the American culture as Tom Brady deflating footballs. Screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay even higher prices. More colors, more costly. The answer? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. Whether it's your 7-on-7 team, your child's birthday party, or the family reunion, you can do it yourself, and they'll look great. That's right, with heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, do the wording, whatever you want, print it on your own inkjet paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, and iron it on with your own hand iron. 
The design or pictures you put on your t-shirts are limited only by your own imagination and creativity. If you dream it up and design it, the paper soul at t-shirtsupplies.com can get it onto your t-shirt. By the way, don't worry if you haven't done it before. As T-Shirt Supplies has first-rate customer service, they'll help you get the right paper for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirt, no hyphen, supplies pearl, all one word, dot com. Or call them at 1-877-857-2737. That's 1-857-85-PAPER. T-shirtsupplies.com. Go there now. You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills, and in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises, along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit gridironstuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. Gridironstuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen. brings us back on the break. It is 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern time here on the Gridiron Stud Show weekend wrap edition of the Gridiron Stud Show. They kicked off the NFL season yesterday. Did you know that, Emil? Were you aware of this fact? I heard about that. How to make out? How to remake out? Was it good? Yeah, quite nice. Uh, There were some teams that won. There were some teams that lost, which is typical um, on any given NFL weekend. What was amazing Emil, uh, as we talked about, was the amount of close games that we had. Give us those numbers again. There was 13 games yesterday. Well, if you want to just do the Thursday night game, 14 games so far played this week. 11 have been decided by less than one score. One score or less, you know, eight points or less. Yeah, that's, uh, I don't know, I guess that's what they want. Keep people watching all, you got to watch all those commercials. You got to get all the way through those things. Unless you want to, but you know what else, too? Uh, these new fans that they're pulling in there, they're not watching full games, my friend. That red zone is cracked right now. I'd love to know the ratings on NFL's red zone. Is there a way we can get that? That has to be 
uh, overwhelming. Oh, it's got to that, be. That's, that's got to be the the biggest the biggest of of anything people watch. I would think. You know. Um, it would have to be, and I don't know how they generate revenue from that thing because they don't really run commercials during the red zone. I'm sure they find a way, but um, God, you got to find a way to get an ad on that thing, right? Got to put a gridiron studs ad on red zone. Got to do that. There we go. There yeah, we go. Right? So, no, I mean, I, 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 listen, that was where to, that was where you wanted to park your butt yesterday if you just care if all you cared about was seeing the important plays. Because man, you, it yeah, was you busy. I? You look, if I wasn't traveling home. Uh, that's exactly where I'd be. I'm, I'm not going to sit down and watch the entire Seattle-Miami game that resembled a baseball score all the way until the end. I uh, wouldn't be doing that to myself. And even at the end, 12 to 10, it's just, that's, a game, that's a game at Coors Field. Uh, so I'd be on red zone checking all the action out. But uh, let's run through this thing. Uh, Buccaneers and Falcons. You know, neither one of us, I think, were high on the Falcons this year. I wouldn't tremendously high on the Bucks. You were high on the Bucks. Than, than I was, but Jameis Winston um, coming out and getting it done right now. Look, he's going to be he's going to be great in this league. Uh, Amel, twenty three of thirty three, four touchdowns, one interception, two eighty one passing. Um, come on, Falcons, can't kick the season off like that though. No, well, you know, I think Atlanta might, you know, not just because of yesterday, it's only one game in a long season, but I just have a feeling Atlanta could be in for a long, long season and. For Tampa Bay, I mean, that's definitely more than I expected in week one. He played – I expect him to be great, like you said, but he played very well. Uh, unfortunately for them, uh, they're probably headed to a hornet's nest next week. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, one week at a time in this league. Uh, we'll talk about the picks coming up here, but I we got to discuss this next game. The Vikings without Teddy Bridgewater. Tennessee, you're at home. And this is what you do. This is a, you go out and get beat twenty-five to sixteen. Go ahead and call me bitter, but for crying out loud, I thought they'd run the ball a little better than they did. That was uh, uh, well, either Minnesota's going to be really, it's, really it's, good it's, this year. Or let's Tennessee. just tap the brakes. It's Tennessee, okay? Um, I think it's clear to anybody watching Demarco Murray the last couple of years that his success in Dallas was a, a, a big product of that offensive line. I mean, he had thirteen carries yesterday for forty-two yards. Um, they gave away two defensive, or, or however you want to look at it, Minnesota made two great plays. But either way, Minnesota scored 13 points with their defense. They missed an extra on one of those touchdowns. I mean, you're not going to win games in the NFL. When you give one defensive touchdown up, you usually lose, more or less two. Well, you know, looking at this, it just makes me that much more sad that Minnesota lost Bridgewater this year. I would have really loved to have seen what uh, they'd be able to do with him because that defense is playing. You know you're going to get uh, a running game with the Minnesota Vikings, and um, it's just a shame. Rookie running back, Heisman Trophy winner, Derrick Henry, five carries for three yards in this football game. Um, I don't know well, how to make of that. Time, Adrian Peterson didn't really run the Sam ball Bradford. all that either. If Sam Bradford's I, ever going to play to his potential, if he's ever going to be a, a, a you know number one draft pick, here's his opportunities with a team with a running game and a defense. If he can't do it here, you know, then we have they to question if Sam Bradford it. should be. Yeah, he ain't, he's never going to do it. Yeah, right? he ain't never going to do it. I thought he had a good defense and um, you know some stuff to work with in in St. Louis, but nevertheless, um, he's falling into a good situation there. Uh, the Titans did hold Peterson to 31. Yards on 19 carries still come up a loser in that one, the turnovers being a big part of it. The Chargers and the yeah. Chiefs had a thriller um, in their contest. 
Phillip Rivers and the boys up big, and I'm talking trash because you and I are far apart on what we thought the Chargers were going to be this year. And I'm selling out while I'm driving down I-75, and then uh, the Chargers charged. They did Charger-like things in that second half, get outscored 24-6, and that doesn't include the six points that they gave up in the overtime as they fall to the Chiefs. Another team I like, by the way. And they lose their and they lose their top wide receiver again for the season. Yeah, not not good because you know they don't run a low on weapons out there. Um, looking at the box score, let me let me take a look and see what the former rookie Melvin Gordon did yesterday. Fourteen carries, fifty-seven yards, having a hard time getting things going in his career out there. Bosa didn't play, by the way. Joey Bosa out with a hamstring. Um, did not play yeah. in that contest. That happens when you don't practice. Yeah, well, listen, I'm not going to fault the man for going and getting his money. I'm more and more on that train these days considering um, stuff that's happened, lawsuits that have had to happen. And you know what? Get your money in this gladiator game while you can. So fix your hamstring, yep. Joey. Get on the field. Maybe you could stop, um, you know, a 30-6 to six run to end a football game if the Chargers are going to play ball that way. Hey, big, big cojones on Jack Del Rio. I was listening to this, the end of this game, riding home, and they come in and uh, score that last touchdown. It's 34-33, and instead of doing what most coaches in the NFL would do, which is kick the extra point and let's play for overtime, Del Rio says, we're going to lay it out, all out on the table, goes for two, and it's Crabtree, a, a sorry receiver like Crabtree. Um, grabs the uh, the the fade ball and uh, the Raiders win it 35-34 in New Orleans. Not enough defense played in this game for me though. It also kind of tells me a little bit of you know he he probably had zero confidence in his defense. He figures if New Orleans gets the ball, <laughs> well yeah they that might, too. They might you know, score. Yeah, they might just – well, they did end up getting the ball, and they moved themselves down the field pretty good, too, by the way, Emil. But, but there was uh, a clock you know, involved in a 15-minute overtime. They would have exactly. had plenty of time to just take their time and go down the field. I mean, the Saints ended up in this game putting up over 500 yards on the Raiders. I mean, they got to get that cleaned up if the Raiders want to do anything this year. Yeah, uh, they definitely need to do that. Um, the Raiders, too, racked up their, their part. They do get the Atlanta oh, yeah. Falcons. Uh, next week, so we'll see how all that works out. Maybe one of the better games of the day, the Bengals and the Jets, two teams that I think uh, have playoff potential. You know, as you know, I've put the Bengals in the Super Bowl. Um, they come up with the win, but it was a well, hard-fought game. One of the things that stood out to me here, though, is the Jets' pass defense getting torched. Andy Dalton, 366 yards passing. A.J. Green has been, listen, people respect him, obviously, in this league, but he's underrated I don't think he's going to be underrated anymore by the end of this year. 12 catches for 180 yards, and he had some guy named Revis uh, covering him for the majority of this game. A.J. Green's a problem. and uh, Oh, he's, he a, mon- he's, he's a monster, and this game essentially was decided earlier in the game the Jets missed an extra point, and really this game was about as dead even uh, as an NFL game could get in terms of you know each kicker missed one field goal and made three. Uh, each team scored a couple touchdowns. The total yards in the game was very close, you know, within a, within 20 or 30 yards. It came down to one missed extra point earlier in the game. Uh, these yeah, two teams, he, I think, will both be in the playoffs. They're both good teams. I, I found it interesting that Matt Forte was able to crank out 96 yards uh, on 22 carries. I, you know, I just kind of looked at him as a guy this late in his career switching teams. You and I have seen this happen a lot over the years. It just never really 
turns into them being much of anything with that new team, anything more than like a role player. Um, so uh, I found it interesting to see him against a solid team like Cincinnati uh, almost getting 100 yards. So kudos on that. The, the Jets have a Browns. history, though, of riding running backs into their early 30s and having some success with that. So They have. They have. Curtis Martin and, uh, and some yep. others come to mind. The Cleveland Browns doing Cleveland Brown-type things. You have a wet-behind-the-ears rookie. And I say wet-behind-the-ears because he didn't get a whole lot of work in the preseason. Comes out there cold, wet-behind-the-ears, childlike, and hits them up, and the Eagles blow out essentially, the Browns, 29-10, to 10, and RG3 doing RG3 things, finding a way to get hurt in a football game. Um, and uh, so Yeah, well, let's, he's let's start at the beginning in this game. I, I mean, hats off to Wentz. He played very well, um, made some nice throws. I got to see, because there wasn't much on early, uh, you know, in terms of I was flipping around, I got to see a couple throws he made where he laid the ball in the basket deep. It was n- nice throws, nice touch. Um it's hard to get a read, though, on how how well he's going to play just because, I mean, I, I'm being honest with you. If this Browns team wins three games, more than three games, it'll be an upset. They're not good in any facet of the game. I mean, they really aren't. They can't move the ball. Um, they don't pass protect exceptionally well. Uh, their defense is atrocious. <laughs> I really I don't know where they yeah. go from here. Um, I, I listen. I don't know either. You had hopes for the Browns. You feel like RG three is not going to be long term there. You know what this franchise needs? They need to just find a coach, do everything you can to draft a quarterback, and try have and try to have coach and quarterback be together for at least half a decade. Can you just do that? Just start there. Let everything else fall in however it's going to fall around them. Just get a coach and a quarterback to be together on this team, on this franchise, for at least five years. If you can get to seven or eight, that'd be great. I promise you some decent things would happen, but it's a revolving door there. Chad, you had one of the great lines that actually literally made me laugh yesterday. I'm texting Chad, and by the way, I didn't know you were driving with your wife and Mm -hmm. family, but Mm -hmm. uh, I said to Chad, oh, my God, I said, the Browns uniforms look like they belong in the MAC conference. And for people who didn't see the game, they're wearing (laughs) orange helmets, with white shirts that say Browns over them like a college team. Or was, yeah, yeah. Yep. And then they had on the pants awesome. now. They're wearing orange pants with Browns written down the leg. I mean, this thing looked like the worst college uniform I've ever seen. So I said to Chad, they look like they belong in the MAC conference. He writes back, they play like they belong in the MAC conference. <laughs> I mean, and did that not play out in the end? I saw the uniforms. It looked like a sadistic peanut butter and yam sandwich. Uh, these guys, I don't know who came up with that kind of Just unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, Packers-Jaguars, close football game. Were you expecting that? I mean, it is the NFL. but You want to know a funny thing? As I, obviously not enough to make it one of my picks this week. But in truth, mm-hmm. had you forced my hand, I would have said I thought this would be a competitive football game. I, I, You know, obviously coming into the year before Bridgewater got hurt, I was picking the Vikings to win that division. And I really, really believe the Packers are a little bit overrated. They're they're riding Aaron Rodgers as far as he can take them. And that that's how I kind of see Green Bay yesterday. Their defense gave up 300 yards passing to Bortles. Um, you know, the Jags couldn't establish a running game. Had they done that, I think they probably could have found a way to win this game. But they, you Green know, they Bay still not trying to run the ball the way they should. I mean, Eddie Lacy in a game like that should have more than 14 carries. Agree or no? 
Oh, no, no, no. I mean, I've, that's that's the way I want to attack a team like Green Bay. I mean, heck, it, it does two things. It, it makes me the more physical team, and it keeps Aaron Rodgers watching the game if I have any success. So, um, that. But, you know, you got to be impressed with Jacksonville. Hopefully they can keep this going. It would be nice to see them become a competitive team. Uh, you know, they have some pieces down there. Let's see where they go. But uh, they've got to be, even though nobody wants to lose in the NFL, they've got to be excited playing the way they did in the first week of the season. Yeah, um, skipping over a couple of games here and talking about the game of local interest, uh, the Dolphins and the Seahawks game was a snoozer. Dolphins could have definitely won this. Kenny Stills drops a 71-yard bomb right in his hands, Emil. I mean, uh, as one coach I know would say, did it hit you in a bad place? Right in his hands, drops it, and that's just Dolphin football over the last few years. We talked about this game in our preview on Friday, and I felt like it was too many points. Uh, you felt like it was too many points. Not impressed with the Seahawks here in this opener. I mean, they played great defense, but I expected more from them offensively. The Dolphins do look like they have a very good defensive line. Hopefully that can help them and carry them through here. Um, Marshawn Lynch was talking about possibly coming back. They might be on the phone with him right now. Didn't really get the running game going in the way that they wanted. Yeah, it might be a little bit more than just him, though. At some point, you know, the Seahawks, the one thing that's kind of held them back the last few seasons, if you want to say that because they've been a good team, is their Mm -hmm. offensive line is is not good. I mean, if they had a quarterback, I think, you know, that wasn't as mobile as Russell Wilson, they'd have some real problems there. I mean, (laughs) yeah, he's been running for his life uh, a good bit of the last couple of years here. You know who didn't run the ball? It was the Dolphins. Um, They end up with, what's that, 64 yards rushing on the day. Got to do better with that. You got to help out Tannehill, especially in a game like this. Nevertheless, at the end of the day, Seahawks come up short. I guess we should look at this from a positive. You went all the way out to to Seattle as far as you could travel to play a team that many think could end up in the Super Bowl, and uh, you lost by two points with a chance to win. I guess that's the positive way to look at this thing. Um, We'll talk about Giants and Cowboys. Did did you have a pick on that one? Let me look in here. You you did. So we'll talk about that when we get to the picks. Lions and Colts. Somebody had to win this game. And uh, Detroit ended up winning it, a shootout. This is what the Colts are. Okay, and there's just, you know, I'm not high on the Colts this year. I don't think they make the playoffs. I don't even know if they get to 500. Uh, am I wrong on that? Are you still on that? Where What do, what do you think? Well, the Colts, they usually go out. They make no real attempt to establish the line of scrimmage. They want to play, you know, as I call it, fantasy football. And Luck, he's great if he's your fantasy quarterback. He goes for 385 and four TDs. But at the end of the day, you know, I mean, that's what, like you said, that's what the Colts have been lately. So, Yeah, this is who they are. But, uh, Andrew, look, for that reason that you mentioned, and we talked about this in the opener about fantasy sports, but he's a darling two fans in this league and that's because on uh, on a Sunday if you pick Andrew Luck um you got a good chance of winning your fantasy uh football game cuz he's going to put up fantasy numbers that you know make people happy you know him and the guy that he played against you had a great day if you had Andrew Luck uh on your fantasy team 31 oh, yeah. 47 385 four touchdowns it's Andrew Luck type stuff there so um Stafford did well also 31 of 39 340, uh, who was playing pass defense in this game? Three touchdowns and no interceptions. Detroit ends up winning at 39-35. And then the nightcap, uh, Patriots, you're missing your left tackle. I think your right tackle was also out. No Gronkowski, no Brady. You go and beat the Cardinals. Does that not make everyone else in this league just want to throw the hell up? 
throw up? How do well, you winning games? It's the first game of the year, but I'm going to say this. It, to me, it's more of a problem for the Cardinals. I mean, that's a game you're – if you want to be a Super Bowl team, and I know it's week one, okay, I, I'm not going to say they can't still be a Super Bowl team because I picked them, but that's a game you're supposed to win. You're playing their second-string quarterback. He has some talent, there's no doubt, but still, it's their second-string quarterback. You pointed out the other injuries. You're at home, and you go out and you lose the game. That's not good. Yeah, uh, amazing. And you know what else is amazing? Everyone else in the AFC East loses. The Patriots win. No Brady. Uh, week one. Pats are in first place. How about that? And then they get three home games, I think, from here. They get three straight yeah. home it looks like it, they're at that's least why the, That's two. why coaching matters. You can't tell me the coaching doesn't matter. That's the way this team does things. It's plug and play. You know, we're going to do what we do, and that's that. Do they need Brady? Do they need him? Yeah, I think eventually they need Brady. I mean, unless this kid is – I mean, he looked really good last night, but, you know, let's not, you know let's I not put Brady out you know the gonna, You know what I find terribly interesting? I have just – this year more than ever, leading into the season, I have really sat and thought about – what the end is going to look like for Tom Brady. Is he just going to play until it becomes painfully apparent in a Joe Namath-type way that you can't play anymore? Um, will he just bow out? Will Belichick stick true to what he's been forever in this franchise and, and uh, usher, usher Tom out? Could you imagine that? Um, what's the end going to look like for Tom Brady? This Garoppolo kid looked great, and, um, you know, he could very well be the next guy. When does that happen? And usually you get retired in this league. Like Peyton Manning, you know, besides his skills, what really caused his skills to erode was the injury to his neck. Eventually, mm. unfortunately, as you age, the hits that didn't hurt you when you were young start hurting as you get into your 30s, late 30s. Yeah. I've just been uh, consumed with that thought. What's the end for Tom Brady? And, uh, look, the greatest, you know, at this point, probably the greatest coach quarterback combo how is that gonna come down to an end i'd, I'd like to see how that i go. see well, him getting before, a new hairdo and riding off into the sunset with giselle with uh perhaps maybe the, his, shield the nfl shield from his helmet pasted on his cheek or something like that something uh, the like cheek, that the one right. on his a face new hair, a new I'm hairdo i don't know what she'll go with this time for him something new you know he's got to get a new do all right, well, something. Well, before we jump into our picks, let's go out to some phone lines and get some callers in before we wrap the show up with our picks. And uh, none other than Les joins us on the line here, uh, eager to get on since the Lions got um, one of uh, maybe four victories they're going to get this season. Les, what do you think? Hey, man, you need to stop that, dog. <laughs> I mean, a barn burner shootout. Um, who's playing – Defense in the secondary for the Detroit Lions. Anyone? What's going on there? Like Andrew Luck had a field day, three eighty-five and four touchdowns. Come on. Well, well, look, look at uh, Darius's uh, Darius Bay. Whatever, what's that kid? I don't even know the kid's uh, name, man. They were Darius Bay. Slate? Darius Slate, yeah, Slate. That, oh, man, Okay. Look at his look at his interview and look listen to how he talks, and then you understand why. He's a defensive back for the Detroit Lions. The uh the uh uh <laughs> He's yeah, uh, put him in the protocol. Like, you know what it was? I'm he like, got I'm filled like, up Derek, dumb I'm he like, got Derek. dumbfounded by the amount of footballs that got hit up on them. Um yeah, well uh, look, that's the negative, man. They uh, did come out with yeah. a win and it was on the road. It was on the road. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, uh, yeah, duh, well, yeah. Listen, man, you want to talk about your picks now, or you want to recap them on Friday? You did. You had a good. You had a good college football little lineup there for you. You want to. You want to postpone that till Friday. Or you want to beat your chest here on Monday. Nah, man, I, I love you guys, man. I mean, it was a good weekend. I liked what Arkansas, you know, showed me this weekend. Uh, Iowa finally did show up like people don't expect, but I think they're going to be a good team again in the Big Ten. Um, Oklahoma, I thought, you know, bought the paddy wagon out, but I, I was just, I was 10 points short, so I guessed a little bit beyond myself. But, uh, I mean, a decent weekend. Uh, you guys had uh, some good, great picks, uh, yes. Uh, Notre Dame uh, needs to wake yeah, they they do. Most impressive thing you saw in college football this weekend? San Diego State's running back. Oh my God! Outstanding, isn't he? I mean, that oh, Pumphrey oh. kid's—he's uh, a prospect, no doubt. Um, I mean, at 180 pounds, as fast as he is, uh, I mean, the quickness that he shows, his great footwork. Um, I mean, I've seen a lot of impressive things. Uh, I mean, Michigan's defense. Surprisingly, uh, played well. They ain't um, played nobody, man. They ain't played nobody. I, I agree. I agree. I agree. I totally agree. Um, you know, everybody. What happens if Michigan State beats Michigan again this year? What happens there? Uh, we're gonna do it. What are you talking about? Yeah, it'd be. Uh, and, 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 I mean, that would say something, go, wouldn't it? And we're and gonna go. Put the, we're gonna put the patty whack on on uh, on uh, Notre Dame this weekend. So, get ready. That's uh man. I'm, that's, they're gonna put that's gonna you be think a really, they're gonna put you're already making a pick. Oh man, I I know where he's going on Friday. There it is. There he's gonna, locked in on a Monday. Locked in. Hey man, lock <laughs> it in. Lock it in. Oh I'm wow. All green. Yeah, I love those picks from the heart. They want. They can. Yeah, they can I come love, out whatever uniform they want. We went in that one. <laughs> I love those. Yeah, did you see what he, did you see what he um, tried to do to me on Sat on Sunday? He's 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 covering down his picks, and he says to me, "I won them all." I said, "You?" He said, "Oklahoma minus thirty-five or whatever." He said, "No." I said, "Wait." Yeah, he didn't slide out. Like where'd that come I, from? I said, "Wait, yeah, wait a second. Oklahoma was given more than that." He's like, <laughs> "Oh, damn." <laughs> yeah, that was the first half line. For Oklahoma, yeah. not the end of the game, because I was on that too. And uh, when I saw a 42 nothing halftime score, I was like, I'm good. And then I got the bad news at the end. All right, Les, the one thing before I let you go here that stood out in your mind yesterday in the NFL was it the Patriots winning with uh, just about everybody missing? Um, was it uh, the Browns stinking up the joint? Um, was it A.J. Green going nuts on Darrell Rivas? What was the thing that stood out the most for you yesterday? Let's not talk about sorry teams like the Browns, man. I mean, I, I, I feel bad for the brother RG3. I mean, come mm-hmm. up with a new name. Come up with a new name, <laughs> a new gift. The uniforms look like crap. That might help. They look like high school. They look like a high school team playing in the NFL. But, hey, I would fire the marketing guy, whoever start, whoever thought that. Oh, you, see, you agree with me, right, Les? Those are the worst uniforms oh, I've ever seen. I don't think anyone can it. disagree. I already told you what man. that thing looks like. It looks like a, a can of yams. Yeah, yeah. yeah who but, thinks who who came up with that idea? Like who went to the boss and said, "Hey, we're going to come out with new uniforms." So the boss is probably excited, thinking, "Man, good, the old ones are ugly." And then they show him that, and and somebody signed off on that and said, "Good idea, Bob. There, that's an outstanding uniform." Yeah, it must Man, have been well, Manziel while he was this high. Go signed back, off on that. Go back to the brown pants, orange jerseys, and the orange helmets. 
Yeah, if anyone needs to do throwbacks for the whole season, it's the Cleveland Browns, man. So, but yeah, man, get yourself get yourself together uh, and come up with another good weekend. AJ Green, though, uh, I mean, Darrell Revis, man, um, Revis, you can't call it your island anymore because he just uh, he just took all your islands from you. He did. <laughs> Caught some rays and sipped some drinks on that island yesterday. I guess you're entitled to a bad game if you're Darrell Revis. And AJ Green is a man. I like him and Julio Jones, to me, are the most beastly type guys in the league right now. All right, Les, I got to let you go. We're going to jump on another call here before we jump into our picks, man. But as always, thanks for calling. Always, always. Bye, Light. That's Mr. Les calling in to the show here. Running out to the phone lines. Caller, you're on the Gridiron Stud Show. What's going on, fellas? How you doing tonight? What well, well, today, good, I should good. say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you partied hard. You partied hard last night if you're calling this last night or this evening. Or <laughs> no, no, we no. We haven't no, even I hit noon yet, I didn't fellas. party too hard, but uh, <laughs> definitely great, great day of football yesterday. It was great to see. Um, I'm calling and talk about my Steelers for tonight. Um, oh, it's going to be a tough game, but we're getting that win. Um, I can well, see it. like spoken like a true Steelers fan, I didn't expect you to come on here and say you see the steel curtain going down against Washington tonight. So tell us why you think they're going to win. You know, I tell you what, a because of Ben. I think Ben will be on his game, and most importantly, uh, you know what? Let me say Ben is one A. Actually, A number one is the offensive line. I think Pittsburgh, a lot of people don't talk about their offensive line. I think it's, a, it's, it's moving towards an elite offensive line. They've got a lot of talent. We've got Marquise Pouncey back. And I think while the, while the Redskins are good in the secondary, mm-hmm. I have questions about the front seven. I think we can push them around. And with D'Angelo Williams, Daryl Richardson as a number two back, I like that guy. He runs with some explosiveness. I think they'll open up holes and control the game, which will keep the defense off the field, keep them fresh. So when they do get on the field, they can get after Kirk Cousins. Pittsburgh likes to blitz 48 sacks last year. Um, I think they're going to get after Washington and impose their will on them and get the win. Well, in the passing game. I expect the Steelers uh, to win this game. I agree with you. I expect them to win this game. But in the passing game, Wheaton, not there. Le'Veon Bell, not there. Um, Makes things harder for Antonio. Uh, where are they finding the offense if the if the running game's not popping like you think it is? Well, I mean, see, that's the thing. <laughs> because it's Antonio Brown, look, Ben Roethlisberger traditionally has not been a quarterback that you want to blitz and man up. He has traditionally hurt teams because of his ability to, to make all of the throws um, and then escape the blitz, and then it becomes schoolyard ball, and that puts the defense in a real bind. So, I expect them to play a lot of that too high, which means if you're going to do that with this offensive line, we're going to run a football. So it's going to be very difficult. When you have a Washington front seven, I like Kerrigan. I think he's a good player. But I think overall it's not as stout as that offensive line. They're going to have a hard time just manning up and saying, look, we'll stop Antonio. Um, We'll let Antonio get his and just stop the other guys. Well, if you're going to play in those man-to-man situations – Ben Roethlisberger normally, because he's elite, takes advantage of that. So they're going to be in a bind, but it's going to be because of the offensive line being able to push. Well, them let me off ask the you ball. this: Isn't this the game, though? If you're the Redskins, that you uh, the type of guy you got a Josh Norman for, uh, for? I mean, you say, listen, you you got you got Brown all game, and we'll just take away everything else they do. And if Norman and Brown play to a standoff, you know Norman, you know Brown catches a few balls, Norman does his thing. 
you know. No, I say, you know I say this. Put Josh Norman. Put Josh Norman on their number two, and you run double coverage on Antonio Brown, and let's see if you know someone like Heath Miller can beat it, beat you tonight. That's what I would do. Well, well yeah, that's a good like, point too. Well, he actually Heath Miller though he he's not there now because he retired. So there is oh, a gap yeah, how about that? in. They have the young guy. They have the young guy Jesse James. He can run. But here's the problem. You, I think that's a fair point. It, I know that's crazy, right? If you from put Penn State, <laughs> yeah, from Penn State. If you put Hell to Pit, they just beat Penn State this weekend. Um, if you put Josh <laughs> Norman one on one on that island, you better hope he's Richard Sherman. <laughs> and Richard has some help, but he neutralized Antonio Brown. I think Richard Sherman's the best corner in the league. He better play like that because they put Chris Harris from the Broncos on that island, and we saw what happened in the regular season. He got abused. So you better be careful if you decide to do that. It could work for them, but if that backfires, Antonio Brown is going to have a field day, and that's going to open up the offense for the other guys. That's a real Give us the final score. Give us a pick here. What's the final score? Final score, I'm going to go um, Pittsburgh Pittsburgh 24, uh, the Redskins 17. Okay. Breaking news: Steeler fan picks Steelers to win tonight over the Washington Redskins. Well, what, what do, do you we, guys think? What do we do with that? What do we do with that information right there, Amy? What do we do? I go steel. I go Steelers. I go Steelers 23-20 tonight. Okay. Yeah, you know what, guys? Um, I'm I'm gonna take. I don't know how much scoring Washington does tonight. I'm uh, I'm gonna make it unanimous, and uh, I'll probably call this one uh, 27-17. How about that? Keep it like that. Okay, there you go. All yeah, right. I think it could right. work. My, yeah, yeah. yeah we got to go jump into our picks and talk about uh, what we did and didn't do this weekend in the NFL. But appreciate you calling, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right. See you. All right, Emil, let's slide into what we did this weekend. I'm going to go first because I'm typically the lower man in the NFL. I think I was on this opening yeah. uh, Sunday uh, doing, no, we were doing what it is that I did. <laughs> oh, were we? Okay. So let me uh, jump into what I did here. I was a fool uh, and took Tennessee, really thought that with Teddy Bridgewater out and you're starting a quarterback um, who's uh, you know a journeyman or you were going to put in a guy who had been in camp for about 10 days, that you'd really have the upper hand, especially at home if you're Tennessee. Oh, boy, was I wrong. So I took a loss yeah. on that one as uh, Minnesota handled Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee gift wrap a couple of uh, turnovers there for Minnesota. And then also, um, I, I don't know what I was – it must have been drinking. It took Cleveland – uh, I thought maybe, you know, a rookie quarterback didn't play much in the preseason. This might be the kind of game that you'd go out and win. And, uh, no, I was dead wrong on that one as well. And, listen, kudos kudos to me on this. I didn't go with all the sloppy teams this weekend. I did decide to pick a proven winner, and that was the New England Patriots. And I think that's something I need to pay attention to later on. Stick to the franchises and the programs that know how to get it done. And that is the epitome of what the uh, New England Patriots are. Took them as underdogs. You know, when you can get them at that kind of price, you better jump on them. So I took them. Pats uh, did me well, won the game straight up on the road against Arizona. So that was my one win. Open up one and two in the NFL. Well, and for me, I mean, I, again, I was drinking with you. I took the Browns, uh, you know, and that'll probably be the last time you hear me give out the Browns on this show this year because uh, mm. after watching the first half of that game, I said, this team is bad, um, and they proved to be bad, so that was a loss for me. I came back. I took the Raiders plus a point and a half. 
back-and-forth ball game at the end. Um, I was going to cover regardless of whether they made the two or not, but they gave me the outright. The Raiders mm-hmm. get the victory on the road for my one win. And then on the Cowboys-Giants game, I couldn't find a team on that game, and rightfully so. It ended up a one-point game. I thought it would be more of a track meet. I went. I said over 46-and-a-half. Uh, final ended up 20-19. to 19. I took a loss there. A couple observations. We didn't hit that game before as a Cowboy fan. Um, really liked Dak Prescott. I mean, I think he, he he didn't make any huge mistakes yesterday. He played a little conservatively, I will say that. Um, maybe because it was drilled into his head, don't turn the ball over. He made good decisions, some of them too conservative. you got to throw more than four or five balls at a guy like Des Bryant. you got to do what Romo does. you got to let him go up and get the ball because Des, Des is great at that. Um, he locked in a little bit on his tight end. I don't know if you saw the game, Chad, but I thought he was a little bit too focused on Witten, almost like a security blanket. Yeah. Um, listen, I, I, I too like Prescott. Haven't really had a chance to see the game. Did listen to it. Sound like he was uh, solid in what he was doing there yesterday. Didn't look quite like a rookie. Um, so they've got a, a good future there. And if they can listen, if they can, they're gonna need. They're gonna need at some point to get another tight end to come in and and you know take over the reins because you know at some point, some point you're gonna need that. Be nice if you got yourself another. Pretty good number two wide receiver. I think they get those two things, Emil. The Cowboys can be very good for the next few next few years, the next half decade. They could really make a lot of noise, and maybe even beyond that, because you got the quarterback, you got the running back, you have the offensive line there. Um, let's see how much how much Des Bryant, how many years he's got in him. But uh, I think you get yourself another wide receiver and get yourself a tight end. Uh, for well, with I think I think Elliott will be a player. I think Elliott will be a player, but I think right now he should be coming in for Morris. Uh, the way the plays are run, if you watch him, and if you, I hope you get a chance to see it, I think Elliott isn't quite running those plays the way they're designed. He's, he's kind of doesn't have the patience yet. And mm-hmm. to let blocking develop, he almost seems like he's running into his blockers where Alfred Morris took seven carries for 35 yards because Alfred Morris is the master of running that zone read scheme. And I, yeah. I, I think that a kid like Elliott needs to sit and learn a little bit. Um, he, he wants to bounce runs outside automatically. Hey, Zeke, this isn't the Big Ten, and that's not the Minnesota Golden Gophers you're playing against. <laughs> you're not going to get yeah, outside. Re- I, think that'll, I think he'll figure all that out, and that won't really take that long. You know, that kind of stuff doesn't take long with with true running backs, which is what I think this kid is. So he'll figure it out, I think. They're prepared to let him run his way into that knowledge, but in the meantime, you don't want to be losing games over it. So if they find a good way to work those two backs, the uh, the Cowboys will be better off for it going forward. And I was one and two. So, you were one and two. We got work to do. How's that for a rhyme? Yeah. Well, I just any. I didn't want to know in three. These NFL games, as we talked about, are extremely difficult. Um, all these games came down pretty much to the end. So we'll figure it out, though, and uh, we'll get the picks right next week and uh, continue doing what we do here on the show. But we've come to the end of this uh, great weekend wrap, uh, the first one for NFL 2016. Continue to stick with us. We'll be back on Friday as we will have uh, another Football Friday edition. Uh, I'll be back on Thursday talking uh, talking the big three here in the state of Florida, Florida State, Florida, and the University of Miami, and touching a little high school football. But we'd like to thank you all for listening today. Uh, and making us a featured show on blogtalkradio.com. For Amo Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for listening to the Gridiron Stud Show. Red-ly, red-ly.